0: well welcome to week 46 and we've gotten uh, 46 weeks into our year-long study of the scriptures now you can tell by this background that we're not at home we're not in our studio I I don't have my whiteboards we have this uh, temporary whiteboard behind me that I know you can't see very well but I'm going to concentrate on the slides as we go through so get your Bible and uh In our journey right here we're in James 1 through 3 on the screen I want you to notice uh, I'm actually teaching there's my Bible right there look same Bible uh, on the southern steps in Jerusalem and this is the theme of the book of James that we're going to investigate as we do our study now remember I'm sitting on one side of the table and you're on the other side and we're at Starbucks or Panera or in your small group which bonnie and i and bonnie wonderful bonnie is over there sitting recording this helping me right now but we recently got to go and visit a small group that's doing this study with us uh, playing them on a uh, at home on their computers individually and then gathering as a group and sitting around discussing and it really helped me to think about looking into that camera and looking at you as you're doing this study And so we're right here in week 46. Uh, We're going to see three different themes, one for each chapter, faith in chapter one, temptation in chapter two, and the tongue in chapter three. Uh, Remember what we're doing. We're surveying the whole Bible. We're using this 52 greatest chapters or passages. Uh, For me, after I've read through the scripture repeatedly, I picked out uh, the, the group of chapters that would help me to explain the whole Bible if we covered those one a week. And so that's what I'm doing with you. And for you, in your journal, you write down a title. Now let me find, here's my journal over here uh, that I have just like you. And uh, I write down, uh, just like you, let me get to a page. I write the, the uh, title and a summary and all the lessons and then the prayer down here so look on the screen first you title each chapter then you find as many lessons truths doctrines uh, and as I always encourage you you use some resources like the MacArthur Study Bible uh, which I'm doing reach right over here if you take um, when we're on the road like Bonnie and I are in fact we're We're finishing up what's going to be 13 weeks of travel. And we're in the last few days of it. In fact, we should be home, uh, Lord willing, on Saturday. And uh, this is uh, Tuesday. But I carry on my cell phone the MacArthur Study Bible. So I have my journal and my resource, the Study Bible, and then my paper copy Bible that you can see here. I spend time marking, underlining, and doing these lessons. I look for as many lessons and truths and doctrines. Then after I record all those in my journal, I write a prayer, an application prayer, that that invites the Lord to take these truths that I've found in his word and apply them in my life. So I'll do all that with you right now. Um, first of all, the summary of James's epistle, and this is basically what you can't see behind me. Uh, it was so sweet Uh, someone helped me put this board up behind me but it with you have my cell phone there that's a camera and then my ipad is right here some of you wonder how we do this uh it's it's very hilarious if you could see us trying to get all this fit together and cords running everywhere in this borrowed home but number one god sent the book of james as the inspired connection between the old and new testaments so first thing i'm trying to show you is right here in my bible This is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. See, one-fourth of the Bible is the New Testament. Three-fourths of it is the Old Testament. Now look at this. Here's the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. What epistle bridges, what's the first epistle that God chose to send to us, written down to us as church? We're right there on the slides. God sent the book of James as the inspired connection. It's the first Written New Testament epistle. Now I'll explain that in a chart in just a minute because some of you are saying wait a minute in my Bible it's Matthew. Yeah, that's the order of the Bible, the canon of scriptures that we have and the way it's been printed since we started distributing Bibles right after the end of the apostolic period. But we're looking today at what is the order that these books arrived to us that God sent them. And the first New Testament epistle written was James. So God gives us James as the first New Testament epistle, and God presents to us in this book James as the first pastor of the first church, which is at Jerusalem. So that's, that's what's so fascinating. Now just a note, for those of you that are going through the 52-chapter study, we're on week 46, and you're wondering, you know, kind of like in four weeks or six weeks I'm going to be done, let me encourage you to another year-long study we have. We have a 52 Uh, week-long, in-depth journey through the four Gospels. And we do that actually in the Holy Land, the classroom in the Holy Land. And and it's uh, called the Land of the Book Video Study Tour. And you can find that right down in the description of this video. Most videos have it, and there's a little link where you can go and and watch a clip of of this class. And it's structured similarly. We we mark our Bibles, uh, like this spot where I'm teaching right now on the slide, you see is these steps. This is the southern steps. And in this lesson on the southern steps, one of the 52 sites we study in Israel, we learned that the church was most likely born on Pentecost here on these, the southern steps. So if you haven't got plans for your next study, you ought to consider going to the Holy Land with Bonnie and with me, uh, with your journal that you mark each week, studying each of the, the key events in the Gospels. And, and we study them on a map. I have a map down in our, in our studio. Uh, we study them in our journals. We use archaeology books in our study Bible. So that's just kind of like a, an added thought as we're finishing up this 52-week study. But right here is the Temple of Christ time. Where I'm standing, by the way, this is a model out of a study Bible. Uh, this square is the Temple Mount. It's 40 acres. Here is the temple itself. But right here, down in this corner, these are the main entry stairs. Those are called the Southern Steps. And that's where the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, the church was born, uh, Peter preached that sermon, and probably down in this area, there are a lot of these Jewish baptismal, or uh, mikvahs they're called, and the the 3,000 that were saved on Pentecost were probably baptized in these mikvah down here. So that's just a little backdrop. Now this is Jerusalem. Look at this around sixty three a d. Now James that wrote the epistle to James, is killed in sixty two a d. he's He's a martyr. Uh, church history tells us that they, they flung him off the the uh, w- over the walls of the courtyard of the temple and and he was killed horrifically. but Uh, That is, isn't what is so important is the fact that at the time when this event occurred, when James was martyred, here is the Temple Mount right here. There are the southern steps. This is the upper city, Mount Zion. This is where all the, the wealthy people lived. And then all of this surrounding area is where everybody else lived. And this is where the church at Jerusalem met. Now, most likely, the church met in small groups all over the city, and then collected as they were accustomed to up here in the southern steps and in the, the colonnade of Solomon, Solomon's porch, and up here on the Temple Mount platform. So that's what Jerusalem looked like in archaeological maps. Here's another view. Again, uh, southern steps, Temple Mount platform, and uh, this area is where the city of Jerusalem was. Uh, just several things. This is where the wise men came to Herod's palace. Uh, This is also where Jesus was tried before Herod. Here's the Pool of Siloam. Um, Just to show you a few things this is the Mount of Olives. Kidron Valley is here, uh, and the Hinnom Valley is there. And many, I mean, the crucifixion site of Christ right there. So all of those things were constantly surrounding. Think about it. When you're reading the book of James, you're reading to a group of people from a church in Jerusalem that were surrounded by all of these sites that I'm showing you on the maps. That's why the, the letter to, that, that James writes, uh, the epistle of James to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, the tribe in Jerusalem. And that, that should always be on our mind. Um, so people that came to church, if they gathered here on the temple steps or in the courtyard here, while they were looking off in the distance, they could see Gethsemane, where Jesus was uh, praying and arrested, the Mount of Olives, where he ascended to heaven, uh, down here the Pool of Siloam, where he did all those miracles. I mean, just think of that. Going to church, if they were walking up, you know, this way to church, they would have walked by the Pool of Siloam. These people lived in what the world of the and so church of james looked much like this Uh, jesus was uh, crucified and buried here or here you know it's there are two sites this has the church the holy sepulcher and this is called the garden tomb so and we cover all that of course in our holy land uh study tour but here we are standing this is the whole group and there's my wonderful wife bonnie standing right next to me right there We're on the southern steps, these monumental steps carved right into the bedrock by King Herod. You can see the Mount of Olives right here. And this is the present-day walls uh, of Jerusalem. And behind, up above, behind these walls is what we call the Temple Mount. It's all blocked off now, uh, all the entrances that would have been used in Christ's time. But this is where we remember the birthplace of Christ's church and what the Epistle of James what the setting was. Now, where does James fit in the book of Acts? So take your Bible, and with me, and I'm gonna get to James with you, I'm gonna show you where the book of James fits in Acts. It's it's somewhere after Acts chapter 12. And so if you get your Bible and mark this, you'll never be able to read Acts again without thinking about the context of what's going on. So here we are on on the slide, here's Acts one, And this chart has who the Roman emperor is, who the Roman governor is, the approximate date, A.D., and what the key events are. Now, this chart is from another course that we teach. Uh, We have a Life and Letters of Paul course, and and that's another thing you might think about. Uh, If if you finish the 52 greatest chapters, you might want to do the Gospels with us. It's 52 weeks through the Gospels, or this course that I'm currently right now teaching, in fact... uh, This is May, and in September and October and November, Bonnie and I are going to be overseas teaching the life and letters of Paul, and we're using the book of Acts. So this chart's right from that uh, course that I'll be teaching. So Acts 1, Tiberius is the emperor, The, the prefect is Pilate, like Pilate in the Bible, AD 30, and it's just after the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Jesus ascends after 40 days that he is alive and with his his saints and disciples. So that's what Acts chapter 1 is about. And Jesus ascends back to heaven from the Mount of Olives. Chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. And then chapter 3, remember the lame man healed at the gate beautiful. Then chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested. We're still somewhere, you know, in A.D. 30. Then Ananias and Sapphira, some time has gone by. Uh, they lie. Uh, the Lord strikes killed, killed and freed by an angel. The seven helpers are, you know, they're called deacons. They're not the same kind of deacons as 1 Timothy 3, but they're helpers to the apostles. Uh, remember, Stephen's accused. He gives his sermon. Paul stands by as he's martyred in chapter 7. Again, we're still in this time period where Pilate is the prefect. Uh, Then Saul starts his persecution. Uh, Philip takes the gospel to Samaria, Ethiopian convert. Paul, now it's AD 33. Most scholars believe that. In fact, if you look in your MacArthur study Bible, which I have my electronic copy here, Uh, If you look, you'll see a lot of this chronology I'm showing you. I follow the chronology of the MacArthur Study Bible. So when you look in those footnotes, they're basically mirroring. It'll say the prefect is Pilate, the emperor is Tiberius, and uh, about the year AD 33, Paul is converted, goes off to Arabia, where he's taught by the Lord. Now look, we have a new emperor in Acts chapter 10, Caligula, is a new emperor, uh, while Paul's off in that time in Arabia and the, the backside of the desert, we get a new prefect, uh, Peter goes to Joppa, and Paul has finished his training with Christ and he goes to Tarsus. So basically from when Paul was converted and, and uh, escapes from Damascus, and from there until he goes to Antioch is almost 10 years, and so you see that the, the time period down here, uh, the dates are going to be going up. Claudius becomes a new emperor in 41. Paul is serving in Antioch. Remember, uh, Barnabas is ministering to him. Now look at chapter 12, and, and that's where I am in my Bible. Grab your Bible and look at Acts chapter 12. And it says, verse 1, Acts 12:1. about that time, Herod the king, now look on your chart, Herod Agrippa, the king, until 44. So he's going to die in chapter 12. So this is sometime around the year 44. But he stretches out his hand to harass some of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John. This is not James, the one who's writing the epistle James. This is the apostle James. James and John, the sons of thunder. The, the first apostle martyred is, is James. And he is killed by Herod. And he goes to verse 3, he seizes Peter during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He arrests him, and he was going to bring him to the people after Passover. Of course, you know the story. Uh, the angel has to wake up Peter. He's being guarded by 16 soldiers, and uh, he, he is released by, from his chains. The angel walks him out through the city. The gates open, and he goes to uh, uh, Rhoda. And she hears his voice, verse 14, because we're glad that she doesn't open the door and uh, all of that. And, and we study all that in, in our journey through the book of Acts. But why I'm saying that is, now look at the book of James. James chapter 1. Because, see, I want you to see the background, the, the context of the epistle we're studying today. James, a bondservant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad... Why were they scattered? They're arresting the apostles. They're killing the apostles. And even though Paul had caused some persecution, this is government-level persecution. I mean, Herod, the king, is m- martyring the leaders of the church. So people scatter. So back to our chart here, the persecution in Jerusalem. Look at this. That prompts James right here. Uh, somewhere after chapter 12, James writes his epistle now look at this what's going on in the same time period paul's first missionary journey that's what happens in 13 okay so now do you remember where the people saved at pentecost came from because when jerusalem had this persecution we're thinking about now if you were driven out of jerusalem where would you go well some people had friends they remember from pamphylia some had friends in phrygia asia Others would go to Crete, Cyrene, Egypt. See, they would go where other believers were that were Jews. And this is where all the Jews were from, from the day of Pentecost. See this? Isn't that amazing? So, even Rome. So, from the persecution of Acts 12, people just started going back to where all these day of Pentecost people had come from. So they escaped the persecution, and look at this. James is writing to them because they formerly had been in his his congregation. But listen, the perspective of the book of James is nothing about Gentile churches. It's totally Jewish. You see, that's why, look down here in the chart, Galatians comes around in 49 AD after James is written. What, What happens in between? The Jerusalem Council. That's Acts chapter 15 right here and you can read that and that's where the church in Jerusalem is hearing about massive growth of churches all over the Roman world. And they're saying, the people in Jerusalem are saying, how do we fit us, we're the true church, we're in Jerusalem, Jesus was here, with all of them. And James steps forward as the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem writes the first New Testament epistle before Paul writes his, and it explains salvation, bridging the Old Testament to the New. then, at the Jerusalem Council, he says, there is a Gentile church, and we don't lay on them. They don't have the yoke of the law put on their heads. They're supposed to still obey God and keep his commandments, but not the Jewish ceremonial law and all the purifications and all the feasts and all the circumcision and the sacrifices, none of that was to be laid on the Gentiles. So that's the context. Paul uh, is by now in his second missionary journey, traveling on here through Philippi and Thessalonica, Berea and Athens, and you remember all that. Okay, so here's the Roman world. Right here is Jerusalem on the map, see over here in the corner. The people are scattered out from jerusalem's persecution in chapter 12 and james writes his epistle look at verse 1 to the 12 tribes scattered abroad so that's the context for the book of james now here's just some points Uh, james is the hebrew word Yaakov, yakobos in greek in english we call him jacob or james Uh, he's the earthly half-brother of jesus remember matthew 13 mark 6 Uh, paul also says that in galatians he was an unbeliever during the life of Christ he became a believer sometime around the cross because Jesus comes to visit him we know Paul says that he was married because he he had a wife that he took around with him he became the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem we see that in the book of Acts some more truths about him when James, when Peter's released from prison in Acts 12 who does he tell the the saints to inform why the pastor of the first church uh, he's the leader, James. James summarizes the Jerusalem Council. He proclaims Gentile Christianity. And Paul reports to James when he gets back from his missionary journeys. James's name is used by the Judaizers, so there's so much about James scriptures. And you, by the way, all that I'm sharing with, you, if you read the study notes of your MacArthur Study Bible, you'll see all this. You say, is the purpose this week? The purpose this week is for you to get as clear a picture of what the context is of the book of James, and then looking and sifting through the verses of this beautiful epistle. By the way, there are 108 verses in James. That was the first entire book of the Bible I ever memorized. I used to, when I was in college, uh, to Bible college, it was, uh, they looked our time that because of water shortages that we could only take a five minute shower and I timed myself using a stopwatch I could say the whole book of James in five minutes if I quoted it like this James the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ the 12 tribes are scattered around reading my brethren count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and I would stand in the shower quoting as fast as I could and when I got done I knew my five minutes was up James is an incredible epistle Whether you're quoting it, memorizing it, or like we're doing with our journals, meditating on the truths. So let's get further. The Epistle of James has seven parts to it. And I'll just get all seven of them up here. Whoop, back up. I'll get all seven of them. Whoop, Sorry. I uh, hit too many buttons here. Let me get through. We've already covered all that. I won't hit it so fast. There we go. Part one, faith endures. Part two, faith responds to God's word. Uh, There we go. Don't turn. Here we go. Faith endures. That's chapter one, the first half. Faith responds to God's word right here. Remember, you look at it looking into the glass and changed in the same image like Paul talks about. You reject discrimination. You don't have respect to persons. Uh, No racism. No class warfare good faith without works is dead chapter 2 14 to 26 we exercise self-control remember that we have uh the wisdom that is from above we resist worldliness remember uh, don't love the world or the things in the world as john says but here it says that whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of god and then faith resorts to prayer and everything and this whole last section is about prayer so these are the seven key divisions of the book of James and James is very practical Eight verses 54 imperatives or commands about how to endure how to respond how to reject discrimination how to produce good works by surrendering to the spirit how to exercise self-control and resist the world and constantly pray without ceasing as Paul said okay so this is my bible that I've worked on all week long with you and i've taken notes uh on each chapter just like you Uh, i do one chapter per page and then when i got all that i typed out for you my journal and so it's it's very hard especially um uh with the way we only have one camera it's hard for you to see what i've written in my bible so i typed it out for you so here we go number one in my journal so this is a a, kind of a close-up of what if you could get uh, the camera close enough to my journal you'd see this at the top of the page I put 52 greatest chapters week 46 James 1 to 3 I wrote a title for chapter 1 authentic Christianity chapter 2 favoritism and dead faith in the church chapter 3 the tongue reflects divine wisdom or demons Now, those were, remember, every time I read it, I I elaborate more on my title. That's the first run through, okay? And, And you'll have a lot more notes than mine, but that's just kind of my quick title. I actually write those in my Bible right here at the top of each chapter. And so my goal is to have every chapter of the Bible titled, every lesson of every chapter of the Bible found, and... An application prayer uh, from every one of those chapters that I've studied. So that's my goal. Now, for you, I'm doing 52 of them. But personally, I have done the whole Bible that way. And its I I can't say enough, and I I hope you'll finish the course and get all 52 of these uh, weeks done. But I can't tell you enough how life-changing it is to be able to look at any chapter of the Bible and to see where the Lord convicted me about that attitude or that direction in my life or that, um, you know, kind of action that was wrong. In fact, uh, Bonnie, you remind me. Bonnie says, honey, in front of you, driving too slow. slow And I said, okay. And so for about three or four minutes, we crept down this residential street with this kind of a stopping every four or five feet, stopping every four or five feet. Cars started building up behind us. They all started honking at me. Finally, one of them comes and swings around and tries to to go around me, uh, you know, on this little narrow street. And so finally, I look behind me, I look around me, and I decide I'm going to pass this car. I start passing him, and he immediately turns on his siren. It was an unmarked police car. I'm not sure if he was trying to see how long we would be patient, and and so he puts on his little uh, uh, siren and lights and, and you know I pull over the side and I hand him my license and he said, "Are you in some big hurry?" You know, it's like somebody the house burning down or something. I said, "No, sir." He said, "Are you late to an appointment?" I said, "No, sir." I said, "I'm sorry," and I handed him my license. He said, "Registration." So I handed him the registration. And he stood there for a second he looked in the car and it was so sweet i could tell that that bonnie was praying and then he handed back into the window my license and registration he says don't do that again and i thought bonnie always tells me don't be impatient honey just wait and and when people drive crazy you know just slow down do you know what that was a great lesson to learn and i was studying the book of james with you You know what James says? Let patience have its perfect work in you. I'll tell you what, if you do, you won't have any unmarked police car pull you over. Now, thankfully, I didn't get a ticket, but it still was a great lesson. Let patience, like we're going to see in this chapter, have its perfect work in you. Okay, here's a summary. This is what I wrote and I typed out for you. Now, this is of all three chapters. Do you want to grow in your spiritual life? James takes us to the heart of the life we're to live in Christ. Here's a summary of the topics he teaches about. Now remember, as I'm writing this down, I'm always remembering that this is an inspired book. This is God speaking through his spirit. This is the very word of God. Here's what God says. Number one, this is, God wants us confessing our sin. He wants us praying. He wants us to use wealth. He shows us the right and wrong usage. He explains temptation swearing, murmuring, patience, judging, submission to God, whoop, to God, worldliness, the origin of strife, uh, riches versus uh, poverty, wisdom, joy and trials, heavenly versus earthly wisdom, our tongue, teachers, faith, works, justification, God's law, liberty, impartiality, true religion, and regeneration. Just my quick list from my journal. It's a huge study this week. Uh, Let's get to the lessons. Number one, now see what I'm doing is, I have marked these you can see they're underlined and I write little notes around you've always seen that while we do that to remind myself number one the first lesson I learn is God wants us to live as God's servants James was the earthly brother of the Lord Jesus but he calls himself a bond slave both to God the Father and did you know if I was James I would have hinted at brother of Jesus right that's how we think no uh, the church historians Eusebius tells us that when they buried James after he was martyred in 62, you know how the, the Jews, they they washed him, then they put spices. On they didn't do it just to Jesus. That's how they buried people. Washing him, do you know what they discovered? His knees, the historians say, were like camel's knees. You ever seen a camel? How rough and hard those knees are and worn what's the significance of that James who could have kind of coasted through life saying I'm Jesus brother I'm his oldest of his earthly brothers no look what he said I'm a servant literally doulos a slave of God the Father and God the Son Jesus Christ Do you know what James spent a lot of his life doing on his knees before his brother Jesus in prayer do you want to know what God wants from us? He wants us to be His servants, and to be given prayer. Number two, verses two to four. Now, see in your Bible. Counted all fallen trials, knowing that your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work in you, so you don't pass unmarked police cars, right? Or anything else in life where we're in a hurry. Impatience leads to all kinds of of things we regret. So, what's this? surrender to God's shaping of our lives trials can be a blessing if we let God use them to shape us while we wait in patience number three verse five ask for wisdom see what it says here if any of you likes wisdom let him ask of God look at verse nine don't live past like cut grass in the sun uh, let the brother of uh, lowly brother glory in the riches humiliation uh, no sooner is the sun risen but the flower fails that whole passage is about the temporal nature of earthly things and God says live for what is eternal uh, I love this look at verse 12 and I spent a long time on this and this is a little example of how we use a study Bible blesses a man who nourished temptation verse 12 when he has been approved he receives the crown of life now look at this this is my uh, copying over and and writing around a study note that I got off of my MacArthur Study Bible. James uses the word blessed. Jesus uses the same word. Now, one of the characteristics of James is that he uses material from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, about twenty references to the Sermon on the Mount. Here are three of them. Explaining when we succeeded in enduring trials. Look at this we experience God-given happiness. Do you want a blast of supernatural joy? Then ask God for patience and endure trials. Work at school, in your home, with your family, with your parents, with your marriage partner, with your boss, endure trials at church, in the ministry, on your mission field, whatever you're doing. When you say, i want your grace to persist and not give up and not respond incorrectly you get this blast of grace he calls it uh god well blessedness bless the man who endures temptation god and happiness and james uses the word endures another word study you can get in your study bible to describe us surviving trial by focusing on the victory um this is often portrayed you can see all that but look at this here's a note on the crown of life the crown which is life that's the literal translation of the greek text now some of you you say oh i don't know greek you don't need to know greek all you need is a bible you understand the to the greek use a study bible and that's where I, i grab my macarthur study bible and i look for all of his word studies here's one of them this crown of life in James' day, victors of the Roman, had a wreath placed on their head, signifying their reward. For us, as followers of Christ, our eternal life flowing from God, to experience here. See, that's that's what I mean about when we believe what the Bible says and say, Lord, I want patience. Uh, patience your spirit we get this surge of feeling look at this the endless life that's flowing from god we're already experiencing a portion of what we're going to have limitlessly in heaven wow and this verse is great it's part of a three section uh are actually from 12 13 44 verses which talks about resist temptations because they're deadly. Sin follows temptation, not resisted. So it says the dangers. Then uh, look what God says in verse 16, and it's hard not to just teach through every word of this. Uh, Do not be deceived. Every good gift is from above. Look at verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Look at this. God offers saving truth. See these, these bold caps are the lessons I wrote in my journal and in my Bible. My sixth one is, resist temptation, they're deadly. My seventh one is, God offers saving truth. See that in verse 18? He brought us forth by the word of truth. This is God's written truth. When I believe it, it's just unleashed into my life. And then verses 19, God wants to control our tongues and our tempers. my beloved brethren, now remember James is teaching a literal group of people in the city of Jerusalem, and they were gathering up on the temple, man be swift to hear, remember you've got two ears and only one mouth, you can hear that pastoral heart uh, it, it says, uh, for the wrath of man, verse 20 does not produce the righteousness of God, so avoid idle talk and anger, uh, my ninth lesson We all need spiritual germ killers. Do You remember all the uh, wipies and hand cleaner that we resisted COVID with? Do you remember all that? We have spiritual germ killers. God's word implanted in my heart. Listen to this. Drives, see what I wrote? Drives away filthiness and overflowing wickedness. See verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflowing wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which saves your soul. Uh, that word sozo, washes, renews, regenerates. God's spiritual germ killer is receiving and starts at salvation, but it doesn't end. It continues on all of our life. Uh, then God's message is in verse 22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. The danger is we, we know more than we're doing. We've heard it. Like most people miss heaven by 18 inches. They've heard it. They've never repented and believed and embraced Christ. The same is true in, in lethargic who have not taken the truth and said, Lord, I want to apply it. And that's what we're going to do in just a minute with our application prayers. And then usefulness to God is my goal. That's the 11th lesson I found. Uh, now we're into chapter 2 flee all discrimination favoritism and racism look what it says in chapter 2 do not hold the faith of our lord uh, jesus christ lord of glory with partiality it talks about someone with a gold ring uh, in fine apparel and a poor person in rupra uh, that's the greek word rupra you know what that word means smelly it's a person who sleeps in their clothes a person who doesn't bathe who of days of no cleansing and if one of those came into the church and someone else came in their fancy expensive jewelry laden outfit natural human tendency is to put the the glitzy one up front the best seat and to put the smelly one in out back where they won't bother anybody you know what the Lord says that is respect of persons verse 3 of chapter 2 to the one wearing fine clothes and say sit here in a good place for you have shown evil thoughts flee discrimination favoritism and racism secondly reflect God's love look at verse 5 listen my beloved brethren has God, has not God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith uh, he says reflect God's love don't be like the world where, where you're you're trying to, to favor those, you think that they'll in, enrich you with their kindness if you show special attention to them. No, no. God says, do things for those who can never repay it. Remember Jesus said that? That's who we invite to our feasts in the New Testament Gospels. Those who can never invite you back. That's true love, reflecting God's love. God hates partial obedience in verses 9 through 11. And real faith changes our life. Uh, look at verse twelve: uh, "Speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty." Um, and all the way down through verse eighteen: "If someone says you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works." Now here's the lesson: Real faith is life-changing faith. Real faith changes. So do you see? I'm finding all these lessons, and and I'm starting to. And this is an application prayer. Lord, I flee discrimination. We live in a world with so much racism and favoritism. I want to be someone reflecting your love. I want people to notice in the way I drive, by patient driving, by the way I talk to people, by the way I treat people. I want them to see a mirror reflecting God's love. See, that's, that's what we're called to do. That's how the early church turned the world upside down they became living and breathing that's what acts 11 says they're called little Christs you ever heard the word Christians of course we have did you know that was a disparaging term in Acts 11 that's what the people in Antioch called all these followers of Christ they're all just little Christs. they're all acting like him what a compliment what a prayer request Lord I want to flee discrimination, favoritism, racism. I want to reflect your love. I don't want to partially obey. God hates partial obedience. That's when you obey when you're being seen, not when you're not seen. When you you think I'm an exception to the rule, it applies to everybody else but not to me. Real faith is our lives. Okay. Chapter 2, verse 19, beware of demon faith. Uh, Here's some uh, study notes from the study Bible. Uh, I just notes from it demons have complete faith lost and doomed demons believe even fallen angels affirm the oneness of God they tremble demons are orthodox in their doctrine but orthodox doctrine is no proof of saving faith they know the truth about God Christ and the spirit but they hate it and they hate them from the MacArthur study Bible so this is my lesson beware of demon faith Beware of being afraid of God without wanting to submit and bow and obey him. Uh, number 17, see right here, that's Lesson 16. James 20 to 26, as I was reading along, it says, Do you want to know, a foolish man, faith without works is dead. Wasn't Abraham our father justified? what I wrote. After reading all the God's friends are obedient to him. Faith without works is dead. Abraham and Rahab acted on what they knew. Abraham became God's friend. By the way, that's what he's called in Isaiah 41, 2 Chronicles 20, and of course right here. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you're my friends if you do whatever I do So you. I, so I, my application prayer is, I want to be God's friend. I want to go through life with people confusing me as a, Imitator of God that's the goal of our life Is that the goal of your life? See how practical James is? 54 imperatives 50 pastoral admonitions through the Spirit of God through Christ's oldest earthly brother of of those children James was the oldest firstborn after Jesus he is the one that's speaking and you know what he says i want to be god's friend abraham was god's friend i want to be god's friend you need to be god's friend god's friends are obedient to him now we get to chapter three Uh, teach only what you're living is my lesson this is what it says my brethren let not many of you become teachers we'll have the stricter judgment and so what that's saying is that we have to be so cautious about Well, when I was in seminary, you know, you're learning so much. You're writing it all down. You're preaching sermons. Do you know what my mentor said? He said, don't try and live up to your preaching. Don't feel this burden. Oh, no, I've got to live up to all that this week. No, no. He said, only preach and teach what you're living. Where'd he get that? James chapter 3, verse 1. Don't teach it if you're not willing to embrace it by faith and live it yourself. Only God... And bridle our tongues so my 19th lesson is look at verse 2 what David said in the Psalms set a watch at the door of my mouth that I sin not against you with my tongue well verse 7 um, let me turn the page look what it says some of the strongest words contain the tongue verse 8 an unruly evil full of deadly poison our words reveal our hearts that's my lesson I got now, remember, what I'm doing, I distill down one verse into a phrase, three verses into a phrase, or six verses into a phrase. That's what I mean by finding an application or a true principle. You, you look, you sift through all the words of God in verses, and then you summarize something you can hold on to, that, that you can say, God... I want you to do this in my life. So I'm saying, God, I want to only be teaching what I'm living. God, only you can bridle my God. Jesus, you said in your ministry, Pete said, words reveal our heart. Out of the abundance, Jesus said, of the heart, our mouths speak. That's what I, that's what I want God to change. I want him to change my heart so my words are right. Okay, here's the 21st lesson. Satan uses tongues to destroy. Now here is another summary. And I want you to see the value of getting uh, either an electronic version of the MacArthur Study Bible or the big four-pound heavy one that I have at home when I'm in the studio. Uh, words can start bad fires, James says. James is guided by God to portray our tongue's sinful words as deadly smoke and fire ruining everything. The word James uses for defiles is something that pollutes or contaminates, the same thing Jesus said and Jude says. By the way, James points when he says set on fire by hell, that's a pointing to the garbage dump. Set on fire by hell is the Greek word Gehenna, or literally Valley of Hinnom. In James' time, uh, the valley that lay southwest of Jerusalem's wall was a city dump. had constantly burning fires jesus symbolized the eternal place of punishment by that picture hell conjures up not just a place but the satanic hosts that will inherit it and they're the ones that want to use my tongue satan wants to hijack my tongue and make me exaggerate minimize sin or repeat gossip, or set a fire, or disparage someone, or destroy, or dishonor, or speak evil, or whatever. Proudly, book One, check my tongue. And you know what? Since uses things to destroy, I want God to control my tongue. Then, whoop, let's get down to number twenty-two. Uh, lesson twenty-two is from verse thirteen. Let me turn to verse 13 with you. Uh, Who is wise in understanding, let him show of good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Become a conduit of heavenly graces. Now, this is summarized in this whole section. Uh, Each of the words uh, where it says uh, in verse 17, the wisdom is from above. Look at this. Uh, Every generation, we are pure. Here are the words this is right out of the MacArthur study Bible this is spiritual integrity every genuine Christian has this we're to be peaceable that's peace loving gentle see in verse 17 looked at verse 17 the wisdom from above is pure peaceable, gentle in the study Bible you have a a little word study of each of these words so it's a reflection of what the Greek language says so uh, gentle it's uh, sweet reasonableness They submit to mistreatment and difficulty, the note says. Willing to yield, the original term describes someone teachable, um, uh, full of mercy. It's a gift showing concern for those who suffer without partiality. It's only here in the New Testament. It's consistent, unwavering, divided in his heart, his convictions. Uh, He doesn't make unfair distinctions. So those are heavenly graces. I've memorized this verse. I love this verse. The wisdom of is first pure, then peaceable, gentle,, without hypocrisy, full of, of good fruits. Those things that you see there, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, without partiality are like a shower that, that I say, "Lord, shower me with these heavenly graces today." Do You see why it's so good to apply each section of this book? Uh, quickly to finish up, the signs of Satan's realm are bitterness, envy, and selfishness. When we're bitter, envy, or selfish, God isn't prompting us but the evil one. Good lesson. Avoid reflecting the devil. Envy, selfishness, and confusion are not co- God prompted. Wow. Seek to reflect God. Verse 17 The work of the Holy Spirit, divine wisdom from above, is pure, peaceable. Merciful, full of goodness. So seek to reflect God. Now, this has been a long lesson. How long are we on, honey? 52 minutes. Aren't you glad she's over there? uh, Praying and capturing this and helping me. Because I want to not wear out our time here at Panera or Starbucks or in your living room. So how do we apply all this? I've shown you all along, but here are just the quick prayers. I, I just... Quickly made one page of them. From chapter one, I wrote, Lord, I want to hear your word. I want to do what you say. I want to allow your word implanted in my heart me to today, for Jesus' sake. Amen. But I bowed and prayed. After all, I mean I wrote pages from chapter one, and I showed you pages in this study. Chapter two, this was I bowed my head, in fact, with my small group. I did this with my small group years ago when we used to meet in person before Bonnie and I uh, were missionaries on the field and on our 13th week on this trip. But when I was with that small group in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I bowed my head, and after this lesson, I said, Lord, I know so much. Help me to respond to all that I know and reflect my desire to be your friend In other words, I want to live all these truths, not just be a hearer, but a doer. For Jesus' sake, amen. And then after chapter 3, this is what I wrote. One page. And for chapter 3, this is how I need to surrender my tongue words to honor you, never to set fires, to always be a fountain of blessing. And I ask for a new, fresh downpour of your wisdom from above. I can just feel it. It's just like a shower i I say i want your wisdom from above that's pure and peaceable and gentle i want a fresh downpour of your wisdom from above on my life help me be pure peaceable and gentle today for jesus sake the method is you title the chapter you summarize a little bit of the context i showed you all those pictures in history you find the lessons and then you apply them to your life now Two parting uh, challenges. Number one, you might just have tuned into this. Maybe you got all interested through the prophecy, and, and I'm teaching the book of Revelation. That's what we're doing, Bonnie and I, on the road right now, ministering to students, and we've been teaching the book of Revelation, traveling between students and, and uh, Bible colleges. Maybe you were watching one of the in the feed and you go, What's this? This is a, a challenge to you. If you're a Christian, You shouldn't be a solo Christian. You shouldn't be a lone ranger. You shouldn't be an island. You need to get connected with other believers. You know what the best way? Go to church, wherever you go to church, and find if they have small groups. Most of them don't. If they don't, start one and say, hey, I'm I'm doing this online 52 greatest chapter study. All you need is your Bible and a notebook and and some study tools that you can get even download, and I'm going to do this study. Could I share what I'm finding with you? Look at this. Find someone with whom you can share your findings and application prayer. Bonnie and I, this week, got a note from a family. They live in the middle of England. If you look at, you know, it's the Queen's Jubilee right now, and you see the island of Britain, you know, the United Kingdom, uh, with Scotland and Ireland and all that. But right in the middle of Maine, England, right in the center, they said, look on a map. We live there. We don't have a local church anywhere in our area that we can drive to. They're all, they don't believe the Bible, they don't teach the Bible. And so we have opened our home, and mom and dad and the kids, they said, we are doing the 52 Greatest Chapter Study as a family, and we've started inviting in friends. Wow. I just, I sent them a note. I just, they said, they told me about it on Facebook, so I Facebooked them back, and I said, wow that's encouraging you see god's word works anywhere but it it works when you find someone that you say let me show you what i'm finding in the word and let me pray this application prayer you know what happened? people say i want to do that too number two pray for us there's wonderful wife bonnie she's over there running the camera we are full-time missionaries uh we alternate work between asia europe and africa uh, we equip and mobilize the next generation and frontline missionaries. Uh, we're This 13 weeks, starting this summer, uh, we're going to be uh, doing American conferences and also in Canada. But then in the fall, starting in September, the United Kingdom and, and Italy and Greece and Israel and into East Asia. We're going to be teaching uh, the life and letters of Paul, the book of Isaiah, a book of Proverbs. Pray for us, please. Uh, that we will be sharing the gospel everywhere we go, that the Lord will strengthen and protect us. And most of all, that God will use us to touch many lives and to get people back into the Bible, back story, and back living as little reflections of Christ. Thanks for joining us. Can't wait till next week. We're gonna be doing First Peter, and that's gonna be so exciting. But let's spend this week with your journal and Bible in James 1, 2, and 3. God bless you, see you next week.